Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. If you aren't already familiar with PAL, I'd like to bring that organization to your attention, particularly if you are a parent artist or caregiver. The acronym PAL stands for Parent Artist Advocacy League for Performing Arts and Media. PAL is a national community, resource hub, and solutions generator for individuals with caregiver responsibilities and institutions who strive to support them. I am a parent artist. If you don't know me personally, I have a preschooler and a middle schooler. And on the best of days, it's a challenge to navigate family and work responsibilities. During the COVID-19 epidemic, with school closures, theater closures, and gig cancellations, the challenges are even greater. If you have the resources to do so during these strange and uncomfortable times, I encourage you to donate to artist funds at the local and national level. I'll include some of those links in the show notes. PAL is offering an online series for workplace and connection, as well as a series of Broadway masterclasses and story times for you and your kids. Proceeds support the artists and the PAL COVID Emergency Relief Fund. I'll also include a link to PAL resources and a blog post by Rachel Spencer Hewitt, the founder of PAL. It is titled, Supporting Artists with Families in Our COVID-19 Plans. PAL outlines three action items that must be included in institutional strategies and protocols moving forward to protect artists with caregiver responsibilities. These include creating structural support for schools and daycares closing, creating opportunities for remote work for staff and freelancers, creating a digital game plan for a more humane future. There's also a very thoughtful and powerful series of essays on parenting that you can find on the HowlRound Theatre Commons website. I'll include all of these links in the show notes. If you know artists with caregiving responsibilities, particularly if they have children or family members who require extra attention and care, now would be a great time to reach out. Caregiving can be an unsung and isolating experience, and it can be really nice to hear from a friend. Okay, on to this episode. Since the beginning of this year, I've had the opportunity to speak with several of the PAL chief reps from across the country. This is the second of two episodes with Garlia Cornelia Jones, the chief rep of New York City. Garlia and I spoke for over an hour in early January. I was trying to keep these episodes on the shorter side since I'm guessing that time is precious and brief for so many of our theater parent listeners. However, I didn't want to lose Garlia's great content, so I decided to divide our conversation into two discrete episodes. If you haven't listened to episode number one, then I emphatically encourage you to do so because we start this episode mid-conversation. In episode two, we really dig into the many facets of childcare for parent artists, including the challenges and the opportunities. And there's my absolute favorite illustration of the childcare dilemma in a story that Garlia shares near the end of our conversation. I don't want to spoil it, but make sure you listen because, wow, it really does speak volumes about this issue. Garlia Cornelia Jones is a writer, producer, photographer, and mother. 
In 2008, Garlia founded Blackboard Plays, a monthly series devoted to Black playwrights. She is one of the founding producers of Harlem Nine, Obie Award winners for 48 Hours in Harlem. Her essays and articles have appeared in The New York Times, The Washington Post, and Salon.com. Her play, Snapshots, was part of the 10th series of the Fire This Time Festival. She worked on an MA in African-American and African Diaspora Studies at Indiana University before coming to New York for her MFA in playwriting, which she earned at the New School for Drama. Garlia is a member of the Dramatists Guild of America and a line producer at the Public Theater. Garlia Cornelia Jones is the first recipient of the Mother Artist of Color PAL Child Care Grant. Child care and just the daunting aspect of how it's going to happen. So when I won this child care grant, I was thrilled because it meant that for like about two weeks when I had like a full-time sitter that my money was not coming out of my check. Right. But then when I, when that was over, then it, it did. Uh, And then their dad was around, but still, you know, if he has a job, it's, it's going to be an issue again. It it is an issue period. And, and, and it is something that I have, known on my own and then through pal have just been able to really get a really fuller picture of wow i took my kids everywhere like i always tell people that my ergo was was like my shirt (laughs) i had that thing when when i was through with it you know i nursed both my kids and i had the ergo for both of them and so that ergo was with me for like five years Right. I have two, two kids, you know, they're like two years apart. So, or like 23 months or something. That ergo was just there. And my stroller, you know, like those like tools. And, and I was in the city most of that time and just going around doing whatever I could. And if friends couldn't watch the kids when they, when they were smaller, I more often than not brought them. And then when I was in spaces, like when I was at the cell and my series was, was at the, at the cell and I would go take pictures or do things there. I knew I was in a space that either had their dad there or other friends who had kids. And so again, it was a space that was, that was like someone could hold my child, you know, mm-hmm. that's what I mean. So for the most part surrounded myself, put myself in spaces where my children would be comfortable. Like for Har- Harlem nine, most of our meetings were at the home of one, one of the producers who from the start when, when she kind of had this idea to bring all these people together. But before we knew what, what it was, it was just like, let's get a bunch of black producers in a room and just chat. And so that's what it was. So we'd always met at her home. And so when I, had kids and she, and she had kids, that was another safe space. So almost every 48 hours, my kids were involved. And it was really hard when they were smaller because when they were still nursing and then when I was gone for the whole weekend, I mean, it was very challenging. I just remember some really not fun moments with like a screaming child who, you know, hadn't really been apart from me. And then I'm gone for the full 
awake weekend. And it's just, it was challenging. And it was really hard. But I, I don't think I was thinking about, like, this is back in 2011. So I don't think something like Broadway babysitters, I do not believe, I don't think that they had started yet mm-hmm. at that time. Those are things that came along as my children were getting older. Then I didn't need, need as much. But this is also an example of the, of the need. There is an overwhelming need for young parents and probably more young moms, not even young, but just, just first-time parents mm-hmm. who, who want to remain active. How, how can we remain active? when there's no space for our kids and it's something as simple as a theater having a space where the children can play and you can go work or a space where you can bring your sitter or bring your friends and you don't have to like drop them off first but they can be with you in the same space right Um, and and there's very simple ways to solve some of these problems and include parents in the artistic discussions. Because Mm -hmm. just you have a baby doesn't mean that you're, I mean, your brain kind of does go, woo! (laughs) (laughs) But you still have a lot to contribute. And frankly, you need to have adult conversations because you spend your days talking to a three-year-old and a four-year-old. But I noticed that when I have been with my kids for like a very long period of time and haven't had like an adult outlet, I'm like, and I just go on. And then I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I just haven't talked to an adult in a while. (laughs) I totally hear you on that. It's it's sort of like the floodgates open and, you know, and partially it's because you want (laughs) to Or I'll speak for myself because I want to use bigger words and I want to, you know, tell yeah. jokes that somebody will understand. Exactly. But also, I want somebody who I know will understand sort of the fullness of my identity. Right. So yes. it's like I'm not just like the food giver and the, you know, boo boo kisser. I'm yeah. I'm like an artist with like grown up thoughts. Exactly. And- <laughs> exactly. Something that has become overwhelmingly just a parent through pal is the need for child care and how a lot of parents and institutions don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And no one knows what questions to ask first. And I think there's a lot of fear that either the request is too large from both ends. Like you start to add up what the cost is and you're like, oh my God, that's a lot. They're never. Gonna, yeah. They're never going to say yes, and then a theater thinks, "Oh my God, they're going to ask for me to pay for their entire school tuition." So, you know, like nobody knows what to ask, but I think it's important to just get started. And and something that was re- really positive to see was 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 at the PAL summit. There was a lot of talk through these uh, panels on childcare grants and. Funding for childcare built into the budgets of these theaters. And sometimes it isn't even used. Um, hmm. And also understanding that people don't need as much as you think and that you can have a conversation about what you have to give and what, what people need and it's okay. That is something that really means a, a lot to me and something I talk to my coworkers about and 
something I think about for myself as I kind of think through what I need for me and for my family that makes it sustainable because I can't be a good producer if I'm stressed out about paying my bills or paying my childcare. Like I can't, if I'm, you know, so concerned about like how my kids are going to get from school to dance and there isn't someone to take them or I can't take the time off, then, then that just makes me kind of an unhappy producer in a field where I can't afford really to let my personal feelings get in the, in the way because I'm right. hearing everyone else. So I'm there to hear everyone else's feelings. So all of how I feel and what I need to get accomplished doesn't have to be on, on the side, but I have to focus on the job. I'm really excited these last couple of years to see some of the secrecy being kind of teased apart because I feel like for some of the reasons that you mentioned, there was fear around just having the conversation, but nobody really knew anything about like the numbers yeah. or that we're talking about or some simple accommodations or even, you know, like logistical arrangements and people just didn't know and were afraid to ask and were afraid to talk about it. And so there's something about just having the conversation that feels to me to be a sign of like respect in both directions. When you don't have parents in artistic leadership and you don't have women up there, then maybe people just don't know what to ask because they are not directly experiencing it. And also, if it is a challenge for a parent to have a job, that means that your staff probably doesn't have a lot of parents. So there's fewer people advocating for what they need. And because there's not a lot of parents, then they're kind of scared that they're going to be asking for things and the people without kids are going to look at them weird. I mean, you just kind of get all these feelings because it's not done, I would hope. And I think things are heading in a slow direction towards we aim to have people in sustainable places, but it's, it mm-hmm. still takes a lot of reminding and ideas and saying, here's what I think would help parents. And, you know, I know that there, there are a few initiatives happening at the public just for work-life balance. We do have a group of, of caregivers and we are working on things to make our institution better for parents. It's all about having those hard conversations and saying, this is what I need. And I can't tell people enough that having a full-time job does not mean that you don't need a child care fund because you do. Right. Um, you absolutely do. <laughs> right. And I, and I, and I think um, that's something that I think is scary for institutions because they're like, what does that mean? And I think it's, it's scary for the person who's asking because they're like, oh my God, am I saying something that's really out there? But I don't think it is. But there is a, a reason why, you know, Pal had this childcare grant because it's need- needed. If more moms in particular, for example, if, if there's a f- female director, but they have a small child and there isn't a space for them to maybe come to a theater 
and they don't feel like they can do their work. You know, it's Mm -hmm. about the amount of support that you have. Like earlier when I got emotional over over the support I, I had for my friends, being able to have support is um, key. But also sometimes when you have a young child, they want to be near you. So how can you be a parent who does want to be, you know, have have their child near, but also do their job? And I, and I think it's entirely possible. We just have to be open to that. When parents with young children see that there is a space that has a child care room, for example, and their sitter or the other parent can come and sit with the kid while the other parent does their job. That is great. And it means like, oh, wait, I can I can ask for that. Because if this theater has that, I can say, well, you know, they're doing it at the public. They're right. doing it at New 42. It's about being able to see who's doing it and, and compare. In the time I was home with my kid, something that was really challenging for me as a playwright was how would I take a residency? Mm-hmm. Because I I had um, kids. And so how would I be able to go away for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and focus on a play? Slowly, there started to be more opportunities for family-friendly residencies where there was childcare in the space. I mean, it was always a dream of mine. I was like, okay, I could just find one. If it, even if it was a, a week or two and they had like a camp for the kids, like I was always just hoping that somebody would right. think of that. And they have. They have one at Space on Ryder Farm. I did receive a it was called the Mom and Pop Residency. It's at a Pops Packing, which is in Hamtramck, Michigan, which is right outside of Detroit. <laughs> so that was great. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because yeah. that seemed to be really cool and unusual. It was amazing. They accept applications from parents and they give you a child care stipend so that you can bring your kids and work with your kids and have them in the space or whatever you need. It worked out. So I I was there for two two weeks. I had been in Detroit for, I think, two weeks before, but I stayed with my parents. And then the last two weeks, I was at Pops. And my kids were both at Pops, but they mainly just wanted to hang out with my parents, which was great. So they would come to Pops with me sometimes, but they just you know, but, but that, so that, that was an extremely ideal situation because my kids were with my parents too. And I was also home. So I could super focus. And I did, I wrote a play in a very short period of time. It was a very exciting month in in Detroit being home. And it really, it was, it enabled me to kind of set up a, a lot of, or build a lot of the relationships that then were really fruitful for the next year when I came back with Harlem of Nine and we had this grant and produced this big event back home. So, mm-hmm. you know, so each time I've gone back home, actually the past few years, I've in a sense been 
paid to go there, you know, and to do theater. And my kids have been there too. You were able to make progress on your work. Mm -hmm. You were able to network and you were also able to kind of have the peace of mind that, you know, you didn't have your kids far away and you weren't worried about them and you could, you made so much progress in that amount of time because all of those other boxes were ticked for you. One, one quick like anecdote that, that just happened that totally relates to this kind of child care. I I had a a friend who's the GM of a, of a show that's running now and, and they had a tech I think they had their first dress run and she wanted me to come see it to give like my feedback and just my thoughts on, on how it might, might be perceived. And so I said, okay, I I can come. I have the uh, kids. And she's like, Oh no, it's definitely like the content, especially at the end. It's just like not for kids. And she's like, can someone take them to the movies and we'll just like pay for it. And I was like, sure. Like that can happen. Um, Oh yeah. Like we both were like, great, this is great. And then I was like, oh my gosh, does she know like how much this is actually going to cost? (laughs) I said, I said, I'm going to ask my friend. I asked my friend and she couldn't do it. I was like, that's fine. I mean, she, she would have paid either way. My friend, it may not have been like, it probably wouldn't have been the full hours because she was in the city. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to ask my sitter. And I did. And I said, okay, so she's like 25 an hour. So that's going to be her rate. And I said, is that going to be okay for your budget? And she's like, yeah, that's okay. And then it was like this whole thing because I live in the suburbs. So it was like, wait, if she's going to come here and they have to go to a movie, I just did a whole sheet because I was like, I have to see what all of this is before I make any like final choices. Just for her to to come for like 5.30 to 10.30, which included me leaving my house to get to the theater on time, see the play, maybe talk for like a half an hour afterwards and then come home was like one twenty-five. And then if there was going to be a movie involved, okay, the movie in Manhattan was a dollar more. So let's not do that. Let's choose here. But then does she drive them to the movies or do I get a lift that takes them and brings them back home, which is like. You know, so all in all, it was like going to be a one ninety nine, and I was like, mm. okay. it's like this is the full thing for this idea that we had that we thought was so great. Like, just I want to keep it really transparent. And then I was thinking, well, if I can just convince my kids not to go to the movies, <laughs> <laughs> but I had of course already told them and they're right. excited about the movies, and so and so she told me her budget. She was like, oh well, my, my budget, like she could cover the sitter being here for that full time, which was amazing. And I was like, okay, cool. So now I have to figure out how to turn the hands of time so my kids don't want to go to the movement. And so I said, you know what, guys? You know how you're always asking me to, like, rent a movie on demand? I said, you know, if you stay home, then you can rent two movies. That's better than one. And then you'll have to go outside. And then you can eat all the food because I've made I've been cooking since like all throughout the holidays. So I'm like, we have all this food here, and I'll order like pizzas from Whole Foods. So and then like other groceries, so we can like have them in the house. Doesn't that sound great? And they're like, okay. I was like, great, thank you. 
I love that story so much for so many reasons. First of all, kudos to you for some creative, like magical parent mind meld thing that you did. But it's so great because it it illustrates like what kind of money we're talking about mm-hmm. when we have to do something that yeah. seems pretty straightforward, yeah. but then becomes a whole thing with like Excel spreadsheets and like mm-hmm. you know negotiations and all of that. And that's just for one evening one outing. One mm-hmm. like, hey, come see a play. I want your thoughts. Okay, right. Um, well, that's going to be at least one hundred twenty-five dollars. You know what I mean? Right. That's just what that is, and that's in New York. Like tw- twenty-five, I think, is about the average rate for a sitter now. I'm, you know, hoping that there is a another PAL summit with non-parents um, hmm. where we can really have the same or some similar conversations, but with people who are not parents so that they can really get those fine details. Because I think it is about some of those small details, as you, as you said, and, and just knowing the numbers. And again, and, and we did have this whole panel at the summit, which was filmed on HowlAround. So it is also there. I want to thank you for sharing all that you've shared today and for doing the work that you do um, as an advocate, because I know that that is a through line throughout your entire career and will continue to be, it seems, kind of part of your way of approaching your art and the world. So thank you for doing that. And I will put links to the things that we talked about in the show notes for people who are curious and want to dig a little deeper. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about or mention before we wrap up today? One final thing is just to note that parents of color are missing from most of these conversations. And so, you know, the grant I won through PAL was specifically for a mother of color in the theater, which when my friend, who's also a mom, who's also a playwright, she said, this is a grant. I said, oh my gosh, that looks like it's hmm. for me, you know? And so when I attend these things, yes, I am thrilled to be amongst the parents, but I also see maybe a handful of black women and black parents and Asian parents and the Latinx parents, you know? So more work needs to be done so that all parents are able to attend and have the accessibility. I mean, and this is a bigger conversation about who gets to work in the arts, who has that, what is often seen as a privilege because the jobs are sometimes underpaid. And so who can afford to take those jobs at at times? And so that is a bigger conversation and something that the Sustainable Arts Foundation has done is is starting in like the fall of 2016 they made sure that half of their awards went to applicants of a color and so mm-hmm. for a pal to very specifically have grants for a mother of color was huge and Rachel and pal always have done a great job of making sure that the conversation includes trans parents includes black parents latinx parents includes caregivers because we're also talking about people who you know maybe have an older parent and who are so mm-hmm. so pal has done an excellent job of making sure that you know when we're talking about um care 
there's a really big circle of what that means. Artist Soapbox is a listener-supported podcast. Please support the podcast via our Patreon page, patreon.com slash artist soapbox. For more information, go to our website, artistsoapbox.org. 